Alright, Professor, before we go inside Bricktown Brewery for our interview, got any quick stories to share about the district? Well, I was told the story of the haunted Starbucks bathroom. Really? Yeah. Starbucks being haunted. <laughs> That's what I was told. As a researcher, I take all information and evaluate afterward. Well, do tell. So a lady told me the story of how she placed her order at the Starbucks and then uh, went to the restroom while she waited. Mm-hmm. And there was a line of about five ladies in front of her. Uh, as you do, she still tested the door handle and found out that it was locked. And when she did, uh, she could hear somebody inside. The paper towel machine was going and going. She said the faucets were running. And then uh, she decided to wait. Somebody might just be taking a shower. So she joined the line and then really had to go. So she went back and knocked and asked, are you going to be a while? And everything stopped, went completely in silent. So she tested the door handle again. This time the door swung open and the bathroom was empty. No one inside. Wow, that sounds a little creepy. It was very strange. You never know what you might hear. Well, I wonder what we're going to hear from today at, with Charles Stout at Bricktown Brewery. You can only imagine. I'm Sam Saxon. I'm Joff DeRue. And you're listening to Tales Unveiled, where we explore urban legends. This episode of Tales Unveiled is sponsored by Oki Comics. For another unique exploration of Oklahoma stories in comic book form, check out okiecomics.com. That's O-K-I-E comics.com. We waited for a moment while the hostess got Charles Stout. He's the kind of guy that, if you gave him a beer, he would tell you any number of stories. When we were discussing where to record the podcast... I suggested upstairs where it would be quieter. Stout agreed and led us upstairs. Along the way, he pointed out a neatly fashioned name marking on one of the wooden support beams that read Kid Knoll, 1918. Turns out there's an entire story behind that. Thank you for joining us, Charles Stout. It's good to be here. Just to introduce myself again, I'm Sam Saxon, and my associate today is Professor Jeff DeRoot. Uh, it's Joff DeRoot. So today we're going to ask you some questions about Bricktown and Bricktown Brewery. Before we get started, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I was born and raised in Oklahoma, born in Tulsa, and grew up in Oklahoma City area. I graduated from Yukon High School, um, started working at the Bricktown Brewery when it opened. October 17th of 1992. Before that, I'd had a career in the restaurant business, and friends and connections connected me to the owners and the the people who started this business, and they were looking for someone, and I came on a very exciting project in an area that hadn't been developed yet, uh, which is hard to believe when you look around now. It was just a couple restaurants down here and a lot of really nasty-looking buildings, and we started in October of 92, and um, with just the downstairs area and the first part of the building and had great success and continued to grow that success and and then eventually grew the business to a larger business. Uh, we expanded to the second floor directly above us and then over into the second floor area to the buildings beside us, created a game room or a game space with pool tables and golf games and arcade games and virtual reality games and then developed that into a live music venue and coming full circle we've now shrunk back a little bit and reduced the amount of pool tables and reduced the amount of live music and are providing great you know private dining and uh, public dining space for people and creating great beer and great food Um, 
that's that's my story. For those that aren't familiar with Bricktown Brewery, can you kind of describe what you offer? We offer traditional American craft beer food. So if you think of food that goes well with drinking an ice cold beer or or craft beers that have some flavor to them, um, we make our beer to go with our food and our food to go with our beer. We like to get creative with some things with the beer as well as with the food. So we have traditional favorites like chicken fried steak in this part of the country. We have fried avocado fries, some sweet potatoes with uh, spicy caramel sauce on it, bacon, good hearty salads, big salads. We've got burgers. We're really known for our burgers. Um, We've got awesome burgers with some creative ingredients as well as a great selection of pizzas uh, coming out of a really good pizza oven that makes outstanding pizzas. So we're pretty well-rounded in American comfort slash beer food is what we serve. So can you describe Bricktown in kind of the early days? Well, it was there wasn't much to it. Um, it was literally the original brick streets, and part of them were tarred over, so you'd have black pavement with broken pieces of sections or whole half blocks worth of the black tar or the black paving that had come off and it would drop off and you would rumble through these old brick streets. Um, there wasn't, there was a lot of dilapidated buildings in 92. We opened on this corner, just the Bricktown Brewery. Down the road from us was Piggies. And then across the street from us, the Spaghetti Warehouse had been open for about a year. So they were the first big business that came. A little barbecue joint named Piggies was down the road where Crabtown is. And then there was the uh, the first, one of the first dueling piano bars or entertainment piano bars, uh, O'Brien's was down a crossover by where uh, the canal currently is. So it was just us downtown. We were in Bricktown, and people would come. We were pretty lo- located close to what was then called the Marriott, uh, the incomparable Marriott, and that's where all the concerts were, and uh, you know the minor league hockey team played, and, and we fed a lot off of that, and just the energy and, and the excitement of being in this old area. It was a rough area in 92. There was a lot of homeless and vagrants around, and it just didn't look good. Um, I'd say back in those days, we got a lot of the adventurers, the young adventurers. The crowd wasn't really super aged back then because they were smart enough not to come to this part of town. But but the young people, uh, those of us that worked here, and when I was young, we we had fun down here. Um, but it was there was wasn't much to it, and. And as has been documented, you know, the the district, there became more investors that saw what we were doing and Spaghetti Warehouse was doing. And and it's slowly grown every year. You know, um, there's just more restaurants and more hotels. You know, that's been the recent boom is the hotels. But back in 92, it was pretty rough and tumble down here. There wasn't many options. And then if you made a couple wrong turns, you really made some wrong turns. You were you were you were in some bad ways sometimes. How would you describe the district now of? vibrant you know there's uh, when you look at the amount of hotel rooms we've just increased you look at some of the legitimate businesses that are down here you know some really good restaurateurs have moved in the city you know with the canal down there now the baseball park that came in uh 95 um uh or 2005 i may take myself all the construction and all the hotels and then bass pro coming there is stuff to do it is the coolest tourist spot that I know of in the state of Oklahoma. And that comes from a guy that was born in Tulsa, you know, so not to offend any of my Tulsa friends and family, I apologize, but Oklahoma City has the best tourist spot to bring people from out of the state 
to come and visit Oklahoma and experience Oklahoma people and Oklahoma restaurants and a cool Oklahoma feel downtown. So we are a, we're, we're a vibrant tour spot now. I have to agree with that. Bricktown is certainly a very vibrant place to bring people. Well, anyway, let's kind of shift topics a little bit, and let's kind of get more into some of the spooky tales. I'm going to hand it over to my co-host here. So what's the history of this building? Well, as we understand it, when the very first, as it began, it was a livery. So a place where travelers would take their cattle and or horses and, and have them cared for while they stayed wherever they stayed back in the day. Um, it at one point became a furniture factory where the furniture was produced along the line of buildings and then with a showroom at one end. Um, it, uh, the most recent thing that it was was uh, a uh, candy factory. And that's kind of how it, it, why you can see the shape of that now with the west end, the train tracks would stop and they'd unload the sugar in that first building, which they now ironically call the candy factory because of that history. Hmm. Um, And they would unload, the sugar would come in, raw sugar, and it would start to get processed. And as it moved its way towards the east to the showroom, which is where we currently are, the Bricktown Brewery, it was processed and handled and sorted by this much sugar is going to go make this style of candy, you know, whether it was a butterscotch or a chocolate or, you know, whatever it may be. And then it would make its way all the way down to here and it would get packaged. And they had a little storefront, uh, Bunty Candies was the name of the company, company. And they would package it and store it and then load it up in trucks and ship it to grocery stores or, you know, ship it out. But that it was a candy factory. And then the family that had that decided that they, they saw something on the horizon. It was craft beer. And uh, they, uh, in 92, they got the laws changed to allow people to make craft beer and sell it in Oklahoma. And we started doing that in 92. And the rest was the, the story I told before, where we started out and making food and beer and continuing to make food and beer and have outlasted just about anybody that's been down here. Oh, wow. With so much activity in the past, has anything lingered? Well, um, you know, the, the field down here still has. and. Uh, if you're lead into what I think you might be leading, mm-hmm, then, uh, uh, yeah, there, you know, we've seen some things that um, make you wonder and, and make you question some things. Uh, uh, certainly, there's been some people that have experienced it at a higher level than I have, you know, um, and people that refuse now to go into the basement or will never go into our basement again hmm. um, because of things they claim to have seen. Interesting. Like what? Well... The, the, probably the most famous story is there's a safe in the building. We, all the basements are connected, and they're full basements. So there's not just a section of underneath. If you go straight down our walls, it's basement to basement. So there is a lot of basement. In each one of these buildings, there's at least 7,000 square feet of dark basement. So you add that feel in there. Well, what we found in the building right next to us and, and butted up against it was a safe, a 10 by 12 foot safe with best we can tell it's cinder blocked double cinder blocked Hmm. with this huge you know something you'd see out of the old Bonnie and Clyde movies the this big steel door that just even on a hinge just moving it takes effort and you know the first time when you come across it you see the safe and you think oh cool but as we got close to it and I was one of the guys that that first got there and I'm a skeptic Hmm. or was or may still be. 
and got there and it felt weird and it was there was something scary about this safe and i i mean i i've never felt it before and when we pushed it open it felt like we were somewhere we shouldn't have been and mm -hmm. it was odd so we all kind of looked in and we had our phones and we kind of glanced in and you know looked around and there was nothing in there it was a place but all of us and there was Two other young men and I was much younger and braver and, and you know much more sure of myself physically than I am now none of us wanted to all the way go in there it mm. was it was weird we took a couple of steps and just kind of all peered in there and thought well that's cool I wonder what they use this for and we found reasons to move along so we, we talk about it and then we would tell people about it well oh, really I want to see this safe and so we'd go down and the next time we went down it was shut hmm. and locked and it was not before, and we did not shut it because I didn't want to shut it because I was afraid we'd never get, be able to get back in there again. So we were like, well, that's unfortunate. We tried to get it open, and I thought, well, somebody must have come in down and, and possibly done that. And again, telling the story and talking about it, just as, oh, yeah, you should see the safe. It's down there. You know, we just moved in this building. So somebody else wanted to say, I went down there, and next time I go down there, it's open. Hmm. And there was no way, I mean, there's nobody here that could have had the safe combination or, or unlock it that I know of, you know, that unless they were just creeping around, but there's just no way there's, we would know about them. There's security now, we've got electricity, you know, things have changed since before. So that was always kind of that feeling down there and that safe became kind of a popular spot to go down and look and we'd mm. go down and look and, and we'd find that most of the time it was open, but every once in a while it would be closed and we wouldn't know why it was closed. Hmm. So it, that kind of died out, or we, you know, it became boring at some point when no other sign. Until we started moving and moving stuff down into the the other part of the basement, we have an area underneath the kitchen where we kept merchandise because we were we were getting busy, we were selling merchandise, and so we took down there, and our hosts would go down there, and they were in charge of stocking, and and they would always swear that they heard something and saw something down there, and most of the time those were the kids, and we were like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's it's mm -hmm. a scary basement. I get it. You're a teenager. Well, we, we expanded eventually to the second floor. And when we did that, we, you know, we found more cool stuff up here. And so we, we, you know, all this stuff. And we opened up, we had pool tables, we had great success, we were doing live music and, and a lot of fun. And I would work nights a lot. And uh, every night there was something, there were lights that would go on, that would, you would turn off and then you do your security check and you go back and then you come back and the lights were on. The brewers had started moving some of their equipment down there because we were overgrowing. We had to expand in the second floor brewery, so we moved grain and some of the tools and stuff that they used. And they would constantly come up and say, did you take my, you know, my set of tools? I, I need that because that's how we attach. No, I, I didn't. And we'd look all over for it, couldn't find it. And again, just like the safe, a couple of days later, it would just reappear. And I mean, we didn't have a big brewing staff. Matter of fact, we had one guy and one, one of the bartenders was a part-time brewer. He would go help clean kegs and, you know, clean things out. Well, one day we're, we're upstairs and working and I walk up and there is this, I showed you that sign. It says Kid Knoll 1915 or I can't remember the date. 1918 is what it read. And I would swear, and nobody had ever seen it before, but it was not there for a good year after we opened the second floor. So we've assumed that whoever is with us or whatever is with us is Kid Knoll. Hmm. And that's been our story forever. We've tried to make two beers. Oddly enough, we tried to make two beers that we were going to name after Kid Knoll, mm -hmm. and both of them became affected, infected at some point. 
wow. during the brewing process. So we've never successfully, and we still plan on it. Mm-hmm. I never put it together. You know, maybe he doesn't want to have his name out there. Although, why would he put it on the right, post? Right, put it on the sign. Because I know that wasn't up there. You could say a guest just randomly took a Sharpie or a black ink somehow, because it doesn't look like Sharpie. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's something older than that. And while we weren't looking, with staff up here and managers at the only egress and excess from the upstairs on a night, took the time to write that name in there. But that was not there. And at one point we had a photo of, you know, when we did some video of opening the upstairs, and you can see that same spot on there. When we opened the upstairs, there was not a kid in 1918 mm. on there. Mm-hmm. It, that's, that's the one that creeps me out. Yeah, why that year? Yeah, why yeah. that year? Mm. You know, I've, you know, I've, you kind of look at the old, and I don't have the access, but you know, you look up Kid Knoll or anything, there's no record of Kid Knoll. There was no mm-hmm. famous robber or, you know, like Bonnie and Clyde. There was nobody like that. But Kid Knoll, 1918, you know, uh, we've been told the building started in 1895, you know, before statehood. Um, that's what we understand, um, and we can't find anything to dispute it. It's hard to find a lot of information, you know, mm-hmm. from kind of a pre-statehood area back in the day but that's our that's our ghost we call him kid Knoll. Hmm. um and i you know we know burrs and i were talking and we were talking about making others like every time we make that we get diastole or some kind of infection that's not uncommon to our business but it is uncommon for us you know one out of every 90 brews might catch an infection and that's pretty typical with real craft brewers working in you know real craft experience but for back to back to try to brew a beer that you're in it kind of and we think it's a cool name and you know mm-hmm. we were going to make a brown once and then we we're going to make an ipa once and they both didn't work out wow and we haven't tried since but that's our ghost story we got a safe down there mm-hmm. uh, last i checked it was closed again i haven't looked down there in a long time um mm, might be uh, open. it might be worth a look it <laughs> might be worth a look because it is it's the weirdest and it may be a claustrophobic thing too you know i'm trying to justify it mm-hmm. but it is the I, i've been in elevators and had power go out and i've been in a lot of things and it's not comfortable but nothing makes you make me feel more uncomfortable than that safe wow. in, in that basement. Uh, and, you know, maybe you combine the fact that it's in a basement, in a safe, in a basement. You know what I mean? You kind of combine some things, it multiplies. But uh, I know this area, like the back of my hand, this whole building. I've been here for 27 years, off and on. And uh, I know the building. And uh, I've never seen anything. I've had more than 24 staff members swear that they saw something. What did they see? that nobody can say that they saw a person but they saw a movement Hmm. they saw something move and my brewers to this day complain about people stealing stuff Mm -hmm. and then i'll follow up with them and oh no we found it or it got somebody brought it back they always claim somebody stole it and brought it back Mm -hmm. but it's stuff that nobody would do that with you know what i mean it's some measuring equipment for that you measure uh, hops out with or it's a a certain kind of bucket that really works for pitching yeast that really is just a bucket. It's not anything, it's just shaped a little different to allow you to have less spillage into the mouth of a, of a fermentation vessel. You know, there's some special tools that they've either built and or bought to help them do their job. None of them of extreme value. You know, I mean, the, the power washer went missing for like three days. Hmm. Who would, and then returned. Yeah, why would you return it? And, and you know, if anybody that I know that would have said, I'm going to use the power washer and had access to the basement would have asked me or they would have said, hey, I'm borrowing the power washer. Mm-hmm. 
and nobody did. And they, you know, they were all up in arms and thought for sure we were, we'd gotten robbed. And somebody came down and t- out of all the things they could take, took a power rush. But then it just shows up again. So there's, there's some creepy stuff and, and there's some weird stuff uh, that we see from or hear from time to time. But nobody's been able to say they saw a person. Mm-hmm. Can't describe them, but they've seen something. They know somebody was there. They know that something moved. They know that it's not right. You know, I've never had that feeling outside of the, the deal. And then the, the feeling I had when I saw Kid Noel on that, that post after working the night before and it wasn't there, that was the one. That, that one, I don't know why that's so weird to me, but mm. it wasn't there. And then all of a sudden it was there. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So that's your ghost. Have you heard any other ghost stories in Bricktown? You know, Crabtown, they, they claim that they have seen people mm. and that they've seen stuff. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody there. Now, you know, that's I've heard that years before, you know, because they were one of the originals down there. Um, Spigoty Warehouse, also Lisa, who used to run it there forever. Uh, we were talking one time after a shift and she told me that they have all kinds of problems. Like they, she can't get anybody to go in her basement because they swear they, they've seen people and people have talked to them and they know that there's people down there. Like there's no doubt in their building that they felt like somebody was there and almost aggressive. But that's that's what I've heard. I don't have any first-hand accounts of it just you know the girl she's just normal we're having a beer after work you know you know we're not co-workers but we're in the same industry and talking about business a lot of us all of us know each other and you know there's a Bricktown Association and we kind of work together to, even though we sell both sell food we all try to make sure that we you know hey you know this convention's in town last year do you remember this we got busy at this time and you know we all want to make sure that we're ready to take care of customers that come in from out of state so we share a lot of stuff and, and, you know, and I know the guys at Crabtown, they're friends and, um, they, uh, they've, they, they're convinced that they have a problem over there. Wow. Um, but I don't know any of the current people. So yeah, there's, there's some stories. I don't know all of them, but those are the ones I know of for sure. Anything else you want to share for our listeners? Um, you know, Bricktown, uh, as, as, uh, exciting as it can be is safe. You know, it's fun. Uh, there's a police department down here now. I don't know if they can help us from ghosts, but none of the ghosts seem to have have harmed anybody to this point. So if you're looking for a good time and maybe a little eerie experience, we could, we might be able to help you with that. <laughs> That's all I got. Immediately after I stopped recording, the professor asked if we could see the basement vault. I was curious to see it as well. Stout shrugged and agreed to take us there. All right, well, we made our way down to the basement and uh, we're at the previously mentioned safe or probably the proper word is a vault as you look at it. I mean, it's huge, like I said, isn't it? So we've got the, I'm sorry, so we've got the door right here. It is open. Uh, Last time I was down here, it was closed. And I gave it a tug, couldn't get it open. That's about all I wanted to spend on it. So I didn't try any harder, but yeah, it's open now. So you guys want to take a look in? Yeah, I'll, um, I'm brave enough to take a look in. What about you, Professor? Uh, you go first. I'll watch. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I'm going to step into the door. As the professor stayed behind, he began to shift through his notebook, searching for something that seemed relevant. I'm stepping inside, and I have somebody being kind enough to hold the door so it doesn't accidentally shut on me, because that would not make for an interesting podcast. 
just me monologuing about being trapped in here for who knows how long. But definitely this place, I have to say, it is pretty creepy. It's also very fascinating. I'm really kind of curious what this was used for back in the day. Uh, I would say this room is probably uh, maybe 15 by 15, maybe 10 feet by 10 feet, I would say. Yeah, and it's pretty well insulated. Um, it's definitely wider than myself. I would say it's probably like two feet, two or three feet wide, uh, this doorway. So it is very, very well insulated. Yeah. Yeah. And the lock on here is fascinating. I mean, I just like the looks of locks. But it's definitely, I mean, I'm not a locksmith or safe cracker. It's not something I want to learn suddenly. So, what do you think, Professor? Look at those markings. You've seen those before? Maybe? I'm not, I'm not too sure. They kind of look familiar? I don't know. What do you think? I think, um, well, quick question. Does this, have you ever heard of a George Grayson? George Grayson? No. Just Kid Knowles, only guy I know. Hmm, okay. I think I'm going to start doing more research. Well, thank you for showing us around to the basement. This is definitely a fun little detour to take a look at. Well, I'm glad you guys were with me. Because <laughs> you probably certainly would have come with, unless we were here with you. I, I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time around it anymore. I'm good. Well, we appreciate you letting us take a look-see. Hey, Professor, before we part ways, I wanted to ask, who's George Grayson? I'm wondering much the same myself. That name just seems to be popping up over and over again. Uh, maybe he's following us, or maybe we're following him. Seems to have something to do with the basements, those, those marks on the walls. Uh, my research so far, all I've been able to pin down is an article about a con man in early days of Guthrie, Oklahoma, back in the territory. So after the land run, he came to town and made his living selling spells. That's an honorable living. Uh, he seemed to do very well initially, uh, but reportedly more and more of his spells uh, didn't work. And finally, a group of people came together, uh, starting with a man who was blind and uh, bought a spell to see again. But when it didn't work, uh, he opened up a civil case. So he actually sued over magic. Sued over magic. That's what the article tells. Uh, other people came forward and uh, launched similar suits, and the article ends with uh, Mr. Grayson disappearing. They, they believed that he ran south toward Oklahoma City. Hmm. Interesting. I think there's a lot more to this story, but I just don't know yet. Anyhow, where are we headed next? I'm I'm not sure, to be honest. Wait, hold on just a second. It looks like I have a missed call and a voicemail. Hey, this is Brian from Oki Show Show calling Sam and Jacques. I uh, just wanted to see if you guys would be interested in doing kind of a crossover episode with us. We're going to be recording over at the Stone Line Inn in Guthrie which I know y'all are into kind of the paranormal stuff, and we're going to be talking to the owner about some of the interesting history there. Apparently there's some pretty weird stuff that's happened at that house. So uh, give me a call. We'd love to have you guys on our show, and uh, yeah. Well, what do you think? Do you want to go? This sounds fantastic. I've always wanted to learn more about the Stone Line Inn. And it's fairly serendipitous that we mention Guthrie and then suddenly have an invitation. Yeah, things seem to happen like that with us. Indeed. 
Uh, let's make a day of it. I'll get some contacts up in Guthrie and we'll tell the full story. Alright, sounds like a plan. Hopefully this lot isn't a bunch of comedians and take these things seriously. Tales Unveiled is a production of the Show Starts Now Studios and is produced by Dennis Spielman. The voice of Sam Saxton is Dennis Spielman. The voice of Professor Jeff DeRoot is Jeff Provine, featuring Charles Stout as himself. Special thanks to the Bricktown Brewery for having us. They have really good burgers, and be sure to check out their Twisted Comfort Foods as well. To support this podcast and get bonus content, visit www.talesunveiled.com. Finally, today's advice is from Will Rogers. Even if you're on the right track, you'll run over if you just sit there. <laughs> <laughs>